Hello, everyone, and welcome to Play DNA. This is episode six. My name is Cassandra, and I am here, as always, with two brilliant minds, Mr. Damon Stay and Miss Sarah Winters. Hi. Hey. So I played Masquerade this week. I love that game. Is such a great game. It's a very large social deception game, so it can play up to 13 people. We played with a group of six, but it was incredibly fun. Um, really unique as far as social deduction games go, I think. Have you guys played anything? I played with you guys. We played Rajas of the Ganges. Yes, we did. Rajas of the Ganges. That was good. Uh-huh. And then I played Castles of Burgundy on Saturday. Oh, nice. I played Formula D. Oh, jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out with a full, like, seven or eight players, Formula D is actually pretty slow. I can imagine. Yeah, you guys were playing for a really long time. It's a surprisingly long game. It's a long track. Yes. It's not It's not nearly as slow with less players. Yeah, but they also have Formula Day Mini, which I like because it's a smaller track. Oh, I didn't know they had that. Yeah, it's like, it's like a third of the regular track, so it goes faster. Oh, okay. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, we played with the beginner rules and probably should have started with the middle or higher rules. Why? Does that make it more likely people will crash? <clears throat> the bigger um, I don't think it makes it more likely people will crash, but it makes the decisions more, more complex. The consequences are more complex. Right. It's a very simple game. Cool. Uh, well, if you guys are tuning in with us as we are releasing this episode, then you know we are all in the middle of a giant quarantine for the coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, the three of us are all self-quarantining currently. So all of these games that we just mentioned, we haven't played them in real life. We've been playing them online, uh, which has been great. It's been a wonderful opportunity to do that and to introduce other people to the world of digital board gaming. Um, so Damon and I have been digital board gaming for years and years and years and so it seems pretty silly for me to talk about it because it just seems like, oh, everybody already knows that all these things exist. But because of the current situation uh, and because everybody is looking for digital board gaming options, we've learned, no, most people actually haven't. Very few people have heard of all of the awesome digital board gaming options there are. So today I wanted to talk about all of those and hopefully you guys will find this helpful. Even if you're listening after the whole crisis is over and the world is good, you will probably still want to do digital board gaming on occasion. Um, we do it all the time regardless of the circumstances. Anyway, let's get into it. So I'm gonna hit you guys with a bunch of names of websites and apps. All of these are going to be on our website, so you don't have to worry about writing them all down. You'll be able to find them later. So the first one I wanted to talk about is Yukata. So Yukata was designed by a German man named Kay Wilk, and it is completely free to use, no advertising, uh, because it's a passion project for him. He just wants people to play games, which is awesome. Um, he's got a bunch of volunteers who help him, but he is a webmaster and he has programmed most of the games on the website, or many of them. Uh, the games are primarily Euro games and abstract games, but there's a good mix of options. Uh, some games you can play include Carcassonne, Imhotep, Stone Age, Machikoro, and Mystic Vale. And uh, the three of us, we just played Rajas of the Ganges this week, and that was on Yukata. And I think, Sarah, that was the first time that you had used Yukata, correct? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was your, what did you feel about it? I liked it. Did you feel like it was pretty easy to use? Yes, it was easier to use on Friday than it was on Saturday because we played on Saturday to play Castles of Burgundy and it was like really, I mean, I'm sure there's just a lot of people signing up. So it was a little slower on Saturday than it was on Friday. Yes, that is true. Because of uh, all of the quarantining happening, a lot of these websites have some serious slowdown, which is a downside. But um, for the most part, they're they're still pretty easy to use. Um, I would definitely recommend looking into them. So to use Yukata, you get started, you jump on the website, you create an account and you choose a game, and then you can invite friends to play. But there's also an option to play with strangers. So if you don't have anybody to play with, oftentimes you can find a game to jump into on Yukata. Uh, each player must have their own device. There's no hot seat options. You all have to have your either, either your own computer or your own iPad. Uh, the games are presented in a 2D interface, so there's a view of the shared board and resources and a private view on each player's screen of their own resources. A great thing about Yukata's games is that it actually enforces the rules for you. So on your turn, there's this little pop-up on the bottom of the screen that says what you're supposed to be doing. So it might say, take a card or place a meeple. Additionally, the game will actually highlight your options. So if you're placing a meeple, it'll actually highlight every place you can place a meeple at that moment in the game. So this is especially nice when you're just learning the rules of the game and uh, you don't quite know what you're allowed to do yet, uh, so the game won't let you accidentally cheat. I liked that about that website. Yeah, it makes it easy to, to learn new games and... You know, if it's telling you you cannot do this thing, it's like, oh, I have no idea why. We better go check the rules. Exactly. To figure out <laughs> yeah, why, why I cannot do this thing that I want to do. It also cuts down on your calculation times because it will only highlight things that you can afford with your current resources. So if you're trying to do something that costs 15 gold and you only have 14 gold, it won't let you do that option. The other thing I love about it is that the scoring is automatic. So at the end of the game, you can skip that whole 10 minutes of math equations to calculate scores because it'll just give you a readout and tell you who won. Uh, one of the downsides to Yukata is that you don't get to watch other people take their turns. So sometimes it's hard to follow exactly what's happening. It does give you a little readout of everybody's actions, so you can follow along, but it's not the same as watching somebody take their turn in a real life situation. So because of that, it can be a little bit harder to figure out a strategy or keep tabs on what people are doing in the game. But it's definitely possible. It's just kind of a different way to think about it. Finally, every game on Yukata has been implemented with the permission of the game designers themselves. So it is all legal. So check out Yukata. There are enough games on there to keep you entertained for several months at least. We have gone through everything on Yukata. It's a wonderful, wonderful website. All right, so now I'll quickly go over some websites that are similar to Yukata, but I don't like as much and we don't use as often. Uh, there are Vassal and Boite Jeu. Both have a decent number of games, but they're much uglier, and I personally find them kind of hard to navigate. Uh, there's Brechtfielvelt, which we have used in the past. It is, as you can guess from the name, it is in German, so navigating can be a huge challenge if you're not a German speaker. Uh, and it's covered in ads, and um, it's not my favorite. It's, it's hard to navigate around. Uh, I did check it yesterday, and it's also just completely swamped because so many people are using it right now. But check it out if you're interested. 
there's one that we haven't used that I discovered. It's called Happy Meeple. And there aren't many games on there, but the games do seem to be pretty well implemented. The only problem is that they have this weird badge system where you have to earn meeples to play certain games or certain tutorials. So you can't just go on and play whatever you want. You have to play certain games first and they require you to play through the tutorials. It isn't an option. So it's kind of strange, but could be useful for somebody, especially someone who's just like, I don't care what I'm playing. I just want to do something. Happy Meeple is also two-player only, even if the game is more than two-player. Oh, okay. Got it. That's good to know. Really? Two-player? Yeah. It's it's really designed for people who want to play against an AI, not against hmm. people. Yeah. It's a nice website, though. It's well implemented. They don't have too many games. I think they only have 14 games on there. But uh, More than when I was there. And yeah. they only <laughs> include Meeples in the games. I'm kidding. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one I'll mention is Board Game Arena, which I would say is the best implementation after Yukata. There are a lot of options of games. However, there are limitations in the free version. Uh, like you cannot have two computers playing from the same address, so it's not good for spouses or roommates. That's so, weird. Yeah, Damon and well, I can't, that's can't use it. That's brand new, too. I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know if this was implemented due to coronavirus, but it seems like they probably did because it, we played relatively recently and that wasn't the case. Yeah, we have used it in the past, but um, so yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this is a new implementation, but that is the case currently. You cannot play with two people in the same house. Uh, you can get a year-long subscription to Board Game Arena very cheap. It's only $24. So if you get on there and you see a lot of games that you want to play, it's probably worth it to you. Uh, and that premium subscription opens up all of the games and allows you to play with people in the same location and a few other features as well. Um, Boardspace is another website. Boardspace is completely free. It's primarily two-player abstract games, but they're very, very well implemented. Um, do they have Devon on there? They do have the Devon on there. What? They have all of the um, T... What are those? I'm so happy. I'm totally going to go and play now. I'm trying to remember what the actual name of that that Yiddish? group of games is. Would you say Yiddish? Yiddish. What is it called? Yiddish. Yiddish. <laughs> Niche. It's it's not any of those. Yiddish. Um, it's not Tazark. <laughs> I. They have all of those. That's a good. That's a good system. I learned a lot of abstract games through that, and um, it's very very well. We're all put together. You can play against the AI as well as other players. Um, so for any of the two player game things, then it worked really really well. And, uh, and they also have certain other Euro games on there, like um, Viticulture. Uh, and it's, it's, I'd say one of the, if it had more games, it would be one of the best gaming systems. But for playing um, abstract games, if abstract games are your thing and like beautiful, weird abstract games are your stuff, then Board Space would definitely be the place to go. Cool. Good addition. Thank you. All right. So now that we've gone through all those, we get to the cream of the crop, Motherload. The best implementation of digital board gaming that I have ever seen, and that is da 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 tabletop simulator. Oh my goodness, how we love tabletop simulator! Um, to give you a sense of just how much we love it, I have logged 520 hours on it, and Damon has logged 960 hours. So this is well used, well loved by us. Uh, so what is it, and why is it so great? Tabletop Simulator was designed and released in 2015 by Berserk Games, and it's a video game. It's an application that you download on your computer. It usually costs $20. Uh, sometimes it goes on sale for as low as 10 
So you open it up, you create a room, and that room will have a table in it. And it's an empty table in 3D space. And this is where the magic happens. You go into the tabletop simulator workshop, and there you will find thousands and thousands and thousands of games that you could load onto the table and play instantly. There are 14,000 board games, 10,000 card games, 5,000 role-playing games. Now, some of these, many of them actually, are probably repeats of the same game, and I'll get into that shortly, but you get the point. There are a lot of games available. So you choose a game, you load it into your room, and there it is, it's on your table. Oftentimes it's set up so you can start playing right away. Uh, sometimes you do have to set it up yourself, it depends on the game. Now, you can have up to 10 people in a room. Each can be on a different device, or you can also play hot seat. Uh, and this is a shared 3D space. So you can move around the table, you can grab and move components, and everyone in the room can see what you're doing. You can pick up and roll dice, and they fall realistically with realistic physics. You can stack items on top of each other and build towers, which is something that one of our gamer friends is fond of doing. Uh, you can shuffle decks by grabbing them with your mouse and shaking vigorously. You can draw zones for hidden information where only you can see the components inside of it. There are options for flicking components, so dexterity games are even possible in Tabletop Simulator. Uh, you can draw on the table, write text on the table, change the texture of the table, change the lighting of the room, change the background that it displays. It is a space that really allows for a lot of play and a lot of customization. Uh, we recently had our regular gaming group all log into Tabletop Simulator, which none of them had ever tried. And we had six people all together completely absorbed in putting a jigsaw puzzle together for a good 40 minutes. It was very silly and it was very fun. Everyone was just super enthused to be inside of the space of Tabletop Simulator. Uh, the games are very well organized. Small components are held inside of bags that you can draw out of. Decks can be labeled, so if you hover over the top, the text pops up that tells you what kind of cards they are. Uh, there's a button that pulls up the game rules, so you can learn the game inside of the same window. Um, it's also possible to script games inside of their system. So some of the games you play may be able to automatically switch setups for different stages of the game. In a game like Gloomhaven, for example, we found a mod that did that. Um, but this isn't common. Most of the time you are going to be doing everything on your own. So Tabletop Simulator has thousands of games. So where are they all coming from? Some of them are born out of official partnerships with game companies. Games like Wingspan, Blood Rage, and Cosmic Encounters are all mods created by the actual developers of the game. But most of the games on Tabletop are user-created. So many of them were created by fans who own a game like Civilization, and they scan all the components of the game and upload them to Tabletop Simulator as a mod, which is free for everyone to play. Uh, some of these mods are low quality, as you would suspect, um, but some of them are incredibly high quality, obvious labors of love. So the question this begs, of course, is, is this legal? And the simple answer is no. Uh, but here's what I have to say in its defense. Uh, if a user uploads a mod that a game company is not happy about, they will send a cease and desist letter. And it seems like for the most part, people do comply and they remove that content. However, the majority of game companies stay silent on these mods, 
And they allow them to be made and to exist in this digital space. And that's because ultimately it helps their sales. If we play a game on Tabletop Simulator that we really like, we're not going to go back and play it again digitally. We're going to buy it. And I know all of our friends who use Tabletop are the same way. In my mind, I feel like it works the same way as a game cafe. When you go to the cafe, you are playing the games for free and you're not supporting the publisher by playing it. But if you like it, you will buy your own copy. Tabletop Simulator does have DLC options so publishers can make official high quality mods of their games purchasable for people who want to support the designers directly. There aren't too many options to do that, but there are some options and they're implementing more. So being able to create mods yourself is great for fans who really wanna share the games they love with other people, but it's even better for indie game developers like us. We have used Tabletop Simulator for every game that Damon has designed. In fact, we were actually such early adopters of the system that Damon's sci-fi card game Wormwood is featured in Tabletop Simulator's original video tutorials, which is pretty awesome. I actually forgot about that fact and was re-watching the tutorials a couple weeks ago and saw our game. It's like, oh my God, that's so crazy. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, Tabletop has been an extremely valuable tool for us in iterating and playtesting. Um, so Damon, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about how it's kind of helped your design process for some of these games. Yeah, I mean, designing and um, playtesting games is kind of an art in and of itself. And for most people, that process is a lot of refining your design down into like a black and white version, simple, high contrast, black and white version that can be printed out um, and play tested on regular paper or something. And for me, the aesthetics of a game are critically important to actually using the game. It's not just a math system that you're testing and then adding aesthetics on top of it. Um, there's a lot more going on trying to combine all of the pieces and refine them all um, simultaneously. So when I was printing games before Tabletop Simulator existed, I would only print them in, in full color. That took a lot of work and effort in printing, and then trying to get people together was also relatively difficult to play test games over and over and over again because I come from a video game background where there's a lot more iteration and a much wider playtest base, I think, than in uh, the tabletop space. So uh, a tabletop simulator allows me to kind of do the halfway point between video games and tabletop games where I can take a tabletop game. I can implement it very, very quickly. I don't have to print anything, obviously. I just have to get it into the system. And, uh, and then I can just get people together for a single iteration without feeling like I wasted a bunch of paper and ink and time and money because it's all you know digital and I can do whatever I need to do there um, to then refine and iterate my idea and then try it again and again and again and again and again. Um, and if I need playtesters that are not local, then obviously I don't have to send them a copy the mail or have them print out their own copy we can all use tabletop simulator and then i can be teaching the game to somebody anywhere in the world without you know the hindrance of having to cross the atlantic so <laughs> and it has been really great for like i was saying we started using tabletop simulator right as they were coming out so we were one of the first kind of indie games that posted on there and uh 
thousands of people were looking at the game, which was really awesome. It's harder now. There's there's a lot more to look at. Like I was saying, thousands and thousands and thousands of games. So it's harder to just get discovered randomly on Tabletop Simulator nowadays, but it is still possible. And it's awesome to just give potential audiences a way to test out your game and see if it's their kind of thing. So I know a lot of Kickstarter games use Tabletop Simulator uh, to post their games so that people can try them beforehand. I will say it isn't the easiest thing to upload your game. It does take time. It takes some doing. Uh, but if you are a designer who is trying to pull something together and you don't want to just print over and over and over again because it does get very expensive, this is a great, great option for you. All right. So the last thing I want to say about how wonderful Tabletop Simulator is, is that it is constantly being updated and improved. So Kimiko is the most visible developer of Tabletop, and she has done an incredible job making tutorials and keeping plugged in to the community. All right, so now that I've sung the praises of Tabletop Simulator and made it blatantly obvious which one of these digital systems is my favorite, I'll also give a shout out to Tabletopia. So like Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia is built inside of a three-dimensional space that is shared by all players. I would say it's kind of like a baby's first Tabletop Simulator. It has some of the same functions, but not all. Uh, it's not as intuitive or freeform or satisfying to use, but it is free which is great. So just like Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia allows users to create mods. However, they do have to be approved by moderators, so the collection is a lot more curated. There's a good selection of games, and because of the curation system, I believe all of the games are legally updated, though I couldn't find anything on their site that verified that. I'm not sure if you're allowed to put up fan-made content. There is a lot of premium content, for example, Many games you can only play a demo of, or you can only play a two-player version for free. Full access to everything is $9.99 a month. So it's a little pricey in my opinion, but could be worth it if you just want to play everything on Tabletopia. Uh, we do have our game, Wormwood, on Tabletopia, and we do use it for playtesting when we are playing with people who don't have Tabletop Simulator. So it is a good option simply because it is free and it works okay. <laughs> I think it has potential, uh, but it's competing with such a good system that already exists. And plus it seems really expensive. $9.99 a month is very expensive in my opinion. That yes. is so expensive. That's $120 a year. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's pricey. It's pricey. And there, there is a a decent selection of free games to play, but it also is a little frustrating to be going through and find something you're interested in and then realize, oh, actually, I'm not allowed to play this unless I'm a premium member. So um, it, it, it has been nice for us to have our game on it. And I know a lot of people post their Kickstarter games on Tabletopia because it is free. Um, as far as I've seen, people kind of do both. They do Tabletopia and they do Tabletop Simulator because Tabletop Simulator is better but because Tabletopia is free. But anything that's posted on Tabletopia, they get almost no play. So you can actually see the number of hours that people have played a game on Tabletopia, and some of them, something like Scythe 
or wingspan, they have thousands of hours on them. But almost everything else, they just have so little time, just a few hours on each game. So it is, is that not... Because- Is that because they're charging for those games and no one wants to pay for those specific games? No, I'm talking about free games. And and the reason is just because they have not found a way to build an audience. Um, I don't think they're very good at advertising themselves. And they don't have anything new to offer people because, like I said, it is just kind of a dumbed down version of Tabletop Simulator. They don't have a great sorting system, so it is hard to browse for things that you may be interested in. I think Tabletop Simulator's system is a lot easier. They do have an an advantage in that they are curated. So on Tabletop Simulator, you might see a lot of crap on there. You know, like a lot of very poor implementations of games, a lot of, you know, games that look like they were created by five-year-olds. But it's also easy to avoid those on Tabletop Simulator. Um, Tabletopia is is even, it's an attractive looking website. I think they did a good job with the website, but for some reason they just cannot get people to use it. And um, overall it is worth checking out. I'm rooting for them, but to succeed they need to find a way to draw more users. Also, if you're looking to just jump in and just play a game with strangers, like I said you could do on Yukata, Um, You can do that on Yukata, Board Game Arena, a lot of the websites that I talked about earlier. You can theoretically do that in Tabletopia, but no one's there. It's a ghost town, so you really are not going to find somebody to play with if that's something that you're trying to do. Um, Also, Tabletopia Tabletopia, uh, works on... um like iPads as well. Uh, it does work on browsers on any computer as well as um, it has a Steam implementation and uh, an app version. So you can play it on basically anything. It also has the option to do hot seat. So you could play with multiple people on one device. Hmm. All right. So that's my list of digital spaces where you can play board games. I have not mentioned any of the board games that you can play on mobile. And there are many. Uh, Damon or Sarah, do you have any that you would like to mention that you think are pretty well implemented? In the digital space, it's a it's a weird it's a very weird place. So when I came into when I started designing games, I started pitching to publishers. I would talk like a, a video game developer, and uh, there were some low level publishers that would immediately respond and were like, "That's a video game term, and we're a tabletop." And I'm like, in my world, that was a there was a definite crossover. I learned about tabletop games from video game developers so weirdly there's not as much of a crossover as i would think between computer science and and tabletop stuff um so these digital implementations on mobile like on ipad or an iphone or whatever are pretty janky (laughs) they they're often glitchy um, a lot of the time they don't have multiplayer which is really really weird that is super um and when they do they're kind of odd and off-putting the construction is is kind of half half done it looks kind of like an old flash game um most of the time there are some really good implementations um that took a really long time to make uh like ticket to ride works the days of wonder stuff kind of works but for the most part and especially for the the price they cost these can cost like five ten fifteen dollars for a mobile, it's like some of the most expensive mobile games on the planet are these half-constructed tabletop simulation th- 
things that only play one game, uh, which is definitely a hard sell. So it's it's difficult for me to recommend most of those. And I've played them all. What do you think about the digital options for Magic the Gathering, for example? Magic has a bunch of different games. Magic has... Um, uh, Magic Arena, which is a, you'll, you've probably seen ads for Magic Arena out, I assume, maybe. I always assume people have seen ads for things that I've seen, but it's not really the case now because, like, I'm seeing ads being played directly Targeted, to my eyeballs. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I do see ads for Magic the Gathering. Magic Arena is the current one. It's it's multiplayer only. Um, it's a good implementation, but uh, trying to play Magic online is already kind of strange due to the timing system. But it's probably the best outside of Hearthstone, which is by far the, the best implementation. Um, which is not a physical card. No, there is no physical implementation. That's the whole reason it works. The only reason it works is because there's no physical implementation. So, um, it only has to exist digitally. And so its digital version is very, very good. I love the Pokemon iPad game. Yeah. The Pokemon iPad game is great. It's much better than the Pokemon game in the real world. Pokemon card game, by the way, is the Pokemon (laughs) CCG. Yeah. Uh, it is much better than the Pokemon CCG, but it is still very half, like, you can feel that it's much akin to a, an old Flash game, the way it's kind of made. Mm. It's still better than than a lot of its contemporaries, but there's still only certain things it can do. It's still better than what it was, but what it was was a game for children who don't know any better. <laughs> Didn't you say, Cassandra, that you played Spyfall on an app once? Yes, there is a Spyfall app. I love Spyfall. I don't know if I could recommend the app because it is so buggy it just it has a lot of problems you can certainly try it uh try it everybody all you have to do is everyone downloads the app and then you all kind of put in a code so everybody's in the same game and then you play it and i love spyfall it's a great game uh but the app is buggy people get kicked out of the room people can't see their screens so it's not something that i would highly recommend but we have used it in a pinch I've only played a couple apps as far as games go. Cribbage has a very, very good app for Cribbage. I mean, it's very accurate and you can choose like easy, medium, or expert players to play against. And I don't know, I just like it. Everyone plays that specific app. And then they had a Teach You app for the Android system. And it's separate from the one they put on iOS. So the one on iOS, I think is better because i downloaded the teach you app and i paid 2.99 for it it was so bad i got my money back that's how horrible it was <laughs> um so i don't recommend that one in fact i was trying to convince my husband and his cousin to write a whole new teach you app since they're programmers and <laughs> they were working on it for a while but they gave up i think but it'd be something Aww. to consider it's i mean writing these things i know why it's so hard because i've done enough programming to understand exactly what's happening and, and trying to create something based on netcode um, even when it's slow and, and doesn't have to respond instantaneously is hard. It's never easy to create something that has to be like linked together <laughs> in any way. It's much easier to create a single player app, which is why the, the versions of these that only have single player are much better. Well, yeah, isn't um, there like, I've, I think I played a chess app before that was pretty good. I haven't downloaded one in a while, but we had a friend who would play a monopoly app frequently and she would play just by herself and with three AI players. And I thought that was so strange. That's so weird. Yeah. I, I don't know why that would be fun, but 
to each their own. <laughs> oh, you know what? Other games are really, really fun on the apps. Okay, so one was this one my husband used to have, but they don't make it anymore. It was called Rainbow Yahtzee. And like the dice would change colors and you had to get different combinations of rainbows and the Yahtzees together. It was so much fun. They don't make it anymore, unfortunately. And the <laughs> other one is they have a really good adaptation of like Farkle, like in the, an app. I like Farkle, mm. but they have a lot of Farkle apps that are pretty good. But those are just dice rolling games, so that's probably why they're so good. <laughs> there are some simple implementations that are good. Uh, Suro, T-S-U-R-O, is a um, an abstract game. Um, it's one of the... I don't know what the actual mechanic of this is called. Rocks moving along... Lines. Lines game. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a really good app, uh, and it's free. It was when I tried it. I'm not, I'm not sure if it is right now, but it's... Um, it's because the thing that they're selling is like a really nice looking object. So, um, it's not like the app can represent that perfectly, but it's, it's very, very well done. Um, and I don't know if that works online, but it works really well in hot seat. We played it while we were camping and it was great. So I, I can recommend the Suro app and feast or famine is an excellent app. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how the board game plays. I'm not sure more than three people in the world own that board game. <laughs> Um, but the app is very, very good. The app is very well done for Feast or Fam, and I can recommend that. And you can play a game you will never get to play any other way, and it's a good game. Surprisingly good. What else? Oh, and um, there's a Race for the Galaxy app. Caldan, I think, is the guy who made it. It's an excellent AI implementation of Race for the Galaxy. Very, very fast. I, I learned how to play Race for the Galaxy from that thing. That's a very, great way to learn how to play, because that is, that is a game that's surprised for its simple rules is very hard to learn. It um, is hard to learn. My friend Jean-Luc didn't explain the rules to me, I think, all the way. And so, like, he was, like, creaming me every time we played. I'm like, wait a second. I don't think I'm understanding the symbol. You need to slow down. The uh, symbols in that game are just they're preposterous. Ridiculous. They are. Yeah. They're, they're some of the worst symbols I've seen in any game. Mm-hmm. That's that's its big downside. Yeah. But, yeah, that is one of the advantages of digital games. It can be helpful in learning the rules, especially if you're playing in a system that enforces the rules the other thing that i really love about digital board gaming is there's no cleanup how great is that oh my god we've played some giant giant games in tabletop simulator like we we have played some gloomhaven in tabletop simulator and you know when you're done you're just like okay just close up the app it's gone <laughs> it's not gonna sit on your table for the next four weeks it's just gone which is awesome Oh, another good thing about some of these systems, not all, but some of them, Tabletop Simulator included, is that you can actually save the game in the middle. So if you start playing something and you run out of juice, you can just say, oh, guys, let's just keep on going tomorrow. And then you can go back to your save state and there it is. That's and really no, cool. Yeah. And no cats have walked on it. Nobody's bumped into the table. Nobody's snuck in and cheated a little bit while you weren't looking <laughs> do you remember so. that old episode i don't know i'm kind of a seinfeld junkie but in this old episode where um kramer and newman are playing risk like he accuses kramer of bumping the table <laughs> it's this huge thing it's really funny anyway side no, note i don't remember that one. Oh, you should watch it it's so funny but you start playing great. risk on like the subway and like <laughs> They like bring it everywhere because they're afraid that someone else is going to move one of the pieces on the board. (laughs) It is so funny. You should watch that episode. That sounds awesome. Side note. Yeah, it's it's a great show. Okay, well, uh, we've thrown a lot of names at you. So remember, all of these sites that I mentioned, all the sites and all the apps, uh, will be listed on our website. And our website is playdnapodcast.com. And just go to recent episodes and you will see 
the link for this episode. So we'll have all the links there that you can check out. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. As always, play safe, play often, and we'll see you next time.